This is Franchise Today, brought to you by FRM Solutions, providers of the best-in-class software solutions for franchise relationship management. Franchise Today is your destination for weekly information, conversations, and interviews with accomplished industry leaders, all of whom share best practices for sustainable growth and sensible franchising. Here now, your host, Stan Friedman, to kick off this week's podcast with the SoLink Front of the House. Yes, this is Franchise Today, coming to you from the Lenox Tower studios of FRM Solutions and the beautiful Buckhead neighborhood of Atlanta, Georgia. This is Franchise Today, and I'm Stan Friedman. Today is Wednesday, March 27th, and another great interview is just ahead, as Ray Margiano joins us in just a few moments. But first, my thanks again to another great serial entrepreneur extraordinaire. Of course, I'm talking about David McKinnon who shared so much with us last week. What a great guest and what a great individual, a giving individual. And anyone who knows him knows, too, that he's the real deal. Leading Next Geners with training, guidance, and direction is a large part of Dave McKinnon's legacy, assuring that our next generation of franchise executives have been well-schooled technically, practically, and emotionally. He does it all via his financial and personal commitments to IFA's NextGen program. If you've not already done so, please be certain to download last week's episode of Franchise Today from iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, TuneIn, Stitcher, or anywhere that podcasts are found. Or just ask Alexa to play the to ask Alexa to play the Franchise Today podcast, and you can listen to it there as well. So with all of that said, it's time for the Soul Link front of the house. And in this week's front of the house, a really big story that caught my eye, and it's big in many ways. I'm talking about Shaquille O'Neal's addition to the Papa John's board of directors and what a strong political statement that position makes. Yes, Bloomberg News is reporting that Shaq, never content to rest on his laurels, has added the title of corporate board member to his many list of accolades. Now he's adding corporate member to that accolade as a member of the of, of the Papa John's board, where he's been involved with food for many years, both with Five Guys and Krispy Kremes. Shaq stated in interviews that he's always liked the idea of being a franchisor. Well, this week he took that to the next level when he announced his new status as a member of the board at Papa John's Pizza. You'll all remember that Papa John's founder, John Schnatter, and his racist statements last year left the company in something of a lurch. Its stock has plummeted, going down by more than 12%. And its spokesman and founder has become persona non grata. Well, what better way to revitalize all of those problems than to bring in Shaq O'Neal? Shaq is investing in nine Papa John locations right here in Atlanta and has signed on for a marketing deal to be the new face of the brand and will have real input on company decisions as a member of the board. This is clearly an exciting moment for the NBA Hall of Famer, who's making $8.5 million on the deal over the next three years. But based on the 6% bump in Papa John's stock price, the decision has already become immediately well-received by investors. Shaq's charm, celebrity, and business acumen make him a perfect choice for this pivot which already seems to be paying off for the brand. It remains to be seen how this deal will ultimately shake out, but as Shaq's told CNBC, pizza is fun, 
And I'm all about being in the fun business. So congratulations. Great pivot for for the corporation and a great move for Shaq. And we'll all be watching with interest to see how Papa John's takes this pivot and takes it positively to new growth and uh, new marketing potential with Shaq O'Neill. Also newsworthy today from Crisanti's Corner, IFA CEO, Robert Crisanti's weekly blog. Um, And in it, Robert tells us that building and strengthening networks, of course, is an essential part of success for any business. And Robert tells us further in Crisanti's Corner, the franchise community is no exception. Franchising is a community, a vast network spanning countless lines of business and thousands of brands. Within that network is a group of companies that you should think about first when you do business, and that's IFA supplier members. Extending the message shared by IFA Chair David Barr, incoming chair at the IFA 2019 convention, Crisanti said that he'd like to highlight a new initiative rolling out this year by the IFA called IFA Advantage. I'll quote Robert when he said, we succeed when we work together. No matter if you're a franchisor, a franchisee, or a supplier, together we are franchising. And our collective success relies on everyone thoroughly understanding the franchise business model and being aligned with what it takes to succeed as a franchise company. IFA Advantage is a new way to accomplish this within the franchise community. The initiative, which has been endorsed by IFA's leadership and the chairs of the Franchisor Forum and Franchisee Forum, encourages all within franchising to engage supplier companies that are IFA members, since everyone knows that suppliers who are committed to the association have shown their commitment to protecting and enhancing the franchise business model, said Crisante. As did Robert, I encourage everyone to learn more about this initiative by reading an article written by Marianne O'Connell, the immediate past chair of the IFA Supplier Forum Advisory Board. It appears in the March 19th issue of Franchising World, where you can learn a great deal more about this great initiative. As a supplier, I applaud the IFA for putting a spotlight on our portion of the IFA community and the commitment that we as suppliers make to the health and welfare of franchising overall, and more importantly, to our franchisor and franchisee clients. And that, my friends, is the Solink front of the house. And who you ask is Solink? Well, I'm here to tell you. Solink is a company that provides amazing loss prevention technology for restaurants and retailers. In fact, when I describe Solink, I suggest they've done for loss prevention what Apple and Android have done for cell phones. They've made those tools smarter. Whether you operate a single unit or a multi-unit empire, or if you're the franchisor or an executive of a retail or restaurant brand where unit-level economics are on your mind, you owe it to yourself and business to learn more about Solink. When deployed, Solink's technology captures instances of exceptional behavior at all of your sites. Solink then records everything that goes on in the front and the back of the house, eliminating the need to review hours of tape to identify those exceptions. After their technology captures it all, it provides reports that actually direct your attention to the specific video clips of those exceptional transactions. This gives you full visibility into every action and transaction at every site from any device, and you can do it all on demand. 
Solink utilizes your current point of sale and security camera systems, providing you with added value from existing tools. That's right, no new camera or hardware purchases are required to put Solink to work for you. If you didn't get a chance to meet them at the multi-unit conference, find them as always online at solink.com. And speaking of the multi-unit franchising conference, I'm sure we'll have lots to report on that event next week and maybe even a story or two to share from the unconference, which literally ended at just a minute or two before the multi-unit conference convened. And lastly, before I bring on Ray, a reminder that next week I'll be joined by yet another IFA franchising icon, Mike Isaacson. For sure, you'll not want to miss that, but first things first. This week, I'm joined by Ray Margiano, an entrepreneur from the tender age of 10 years old. Ray Margiano has always shared his passion for building businesses with his franchisees and his family. Ray started working in his dad's Derby, Connecticut auto garage when he was just 10 years old. After a brief stint in the Navy, he returned home to pump gas, wash windfields, windshields, and do service repairs putting in an average of of about 50 hours a week, all while attending school full-time. Although he couldn't wait to get away, it was his first-generation Italian father's entrepreneurial spirit and fierce determination that laid the path for Ray's success in the footwear industry. Today, Ray tells us how he kicked a corporate career down the road in favor of living the dream of making dreams come true for others as a franchisor. Ray, welcome to Franchise Today, my friend. Thank you, Stan. I'm really happy to join you. So, you know, every week when we start these interviews on Franchise Today, there's a common theme that I remind everyone of, and that's how unless you're a second or third generation of a franchise family, we don't, with intention, go about a career in franchising. Seldom does somebody say, I'm going to go to school and study to get involved in franchising, but rather franchising finds us. It's usually some event in our life that causes us to, to connect with franchising and make that intersection. And uh, every week we ask our guests, especially founders that have been doing it for as long as you, to rewind the tape and tell us what led up to that event in your life, Ray. Well, I think my story is maybe similar to some others. Uh, when I left the garage, uh, working seven days a week and going to the corporate world, uh, working five days a week was like being on permanent holiday. So I wasn't looking forward to going back to the garage. Uh, and I certainly made a lot more money in the corporate world. Um, eventually in the corporate world, I ended up becoming a, a president of a division down here in the Southeast in Atlanta. That's how I ended up down here. And they made a series of product lines that were used for, uh, repairing shoes and, in uh, the lab technology for making medical changes, et cetera, to shoes and shoe manufacturing. I came up with an idea on how to do a white weight shoe repair in the malls, and I tried to sell it at corporate uh, two years, and they didn't want to have anything of it. They wanted to stick with manufacturing. By that time, I thought the idea was too good not to do it. Um, so I left the corporate world and started my first store. Uh, here in Atlanta, and this is in the early 80s. That store still exists. Uh, the first surprise I had was uh, I went to the bank to borrow money, and uh, since I did pretty well in the corporate world, I paid cash for everything, so I didn't have a history of borrowing money. I didn't understand it, uh, but the banks wouldn't loan me money to do my first business because I had no history. 
So I had to put up cash um, to support the loan and borrow money and create a history over a couple of years. So I ended up picking up about five uh, of these heel quicks and, and basically all here in the Atlanta area. Um, but the bank wouldn't loan me any more money. The one thing I was against <clears throat> was really going out and borrowing money from investors. Now, this may not be the same for everybody, but I left the corporate world not to have to answer to anybody else. It was never about the money. It was about doing my own thing um, and really answering to myself. So I couldn't borrow any more money. I ended up going to a franchise show here in Atlanta, never even thought about franchising. Walked the show, talked to some of the franchisors. And by the time I finished walking the show, I realized that my deal, my business, was better than anything that was being showed at the franchise show, was more profitable, was less cost, uh, and probably could be a way I could go. So that's how I really got introduced to franchising. I immediately joined IFA. I didn't have enough money to get uh, my first FDD done. Um, so I got a couple FDDs from dry cleaners and retailers, wrote my own FDD, and then I paid a lawyer to review it <laughs> and mark it up. Did it at about 10% the cost. Um, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> I was a real attorney, but but that was the start. So that's how I started franchising, and I grew the Hill Quick concept uh, pretty much to about 700 plus operations in 34 countries. That's an amazing story, Ray. And I'm, I'm curious how that transition occurred. Again, you know, you were working for corporations like Sikorsky Aircraft and United Technologies. You were working for Textron. How did you make the leap? And, and what kind of roles were you in in those corporate uh, positions? Well, when I started, uh, I, my master's is in computer science. So uh, when I started at Sikorsky's, I ended up being uh, the director of VP um, and pretty much was um, in the IT side. Um, and then when I left Sikorsky's, I started in IT and then moved into a corporate program where I was going out to divisions and identifying issues and, and working on turning them around and was involved in a couple mergers and acquisitions. Um, and then they sent me down to turn a division around that they had purchased that had lost money for five years. It was a perfect case study. I'm a hands-on guy. I went down during the first year and turned it around, made it profitable. So they didn't end up selling it. I ended up running it. Uh, and that was the company that was making um, the shoe repair equipment and the equipment used for making shoes and, and medical lab work uh, related to shoes. Um, so when they didn't buy my suggestion on on opening up these retail stores, uh, I, I left and did it. The interesting part is about 10 years later, they got bought out, and I was able to buy out the manufacturing rights to the equipment that we were using, so I ended up when you think about it, we became our own supplier. We bought the manufacturing firm out. We made our own equipment. So pretty much we were able to open a store, sell them supplies that we were buying direct, and also the equipment. Uh, and that's really how I grew that company because we had complete control over you know, every source and we were able to pass on substantial savings. Um, so, so that's how I sort of fell into it, Stan. And you did it by way of something that, uh, we don't hear often in franchising. We do every now and then, but, um, you know, you've got a BA, you've got a master's and a PhD. So you bring an awful lot of, of education to the practical world of franchising. And I think it's commendable that, you know, you as a manufacturer, 
some of the greatest people I've learned have succeeded as both Zs and Zors are people with engineering or technical type backgrounds. And it appears that you've kind of add your name to that list. Well, I was very structured. And of course, franchising is all about structuring and, and you know, having a system that is replicatable uh, and that works. So, I mean, basically, if you don't have that, you don't have anything to franchise. Um, of course. So, so that's the, the real issue. But, you know, everything that goes up must come down. And I, I certainly, um, uh, I, I would say I was, I never gamble. Um, when I go to Vegas, all these shows, you don't find me at any of the tables. I work too hard for my money to put it, uh, put it to use there. Uh, I'd rather invest it in myself. But, uh, the interesting thing that happened is, um, in the nineties, uh, China start making shoes, uh, man-made materials were used, um, a cement process. So the shoe industry, almost got overturned overnight in over a five-year period. There were probably 40,000 shoe repair shops in the United States alone, and in five years that dropped down to 5,000. So I was pretty much like the blacksmith watching the cars drive by, (laughs) um, not getting the real picture. Uh, And I had just invested heavily in bringing in on the line of machinery, et cetera. And all of a sudden, from going to staggering growth, I went to free fall, where Things just weren't working. People were buying shoes inexpensively. And the U.S. is just known for throwing away stuff instead of repairing or or maintaining it. So, um, you know, it was rags to riches. And then all of a sudden, free fall. uh, And I had to work my way through that. The fortunate thing for me is we were doing some lab work for the medical community. So I refocused on the medical side. I let the franchisees that are out there continue. We sold them product, et cetera. But that's how I came up with Foot Solutions. Now I had to reinvent myself. The important thing here is everything I didn't like about Hillquick. We were in malls, working seven days a week, long hours, high overheads, et cetera. I shifted. So in Foot Solutions, we basically are in shift centers. We work five and a half days, uh, 10 to 6. Um, my average customer in Heel Quick was spending $9. My average customer in Foot Solutions spends $200. Uh, for stores that are following our system and our key performance indicators, they'll drop 20% to the bottom line. So with 10 customers a day on average, it's a $600,000 store uh, with a $100,000 net profit if they're running properly. So why don't you explain a little bit about the retail concept, Ray, and what Foot Solutions does that is not – typical of walking into a retail store to buy a pair of shoes. Your, your shoes are very different. And I don't know how many people in our audience ever heard of pedorthics. I didn't until I met you. So sure. let's talk a little bit about what it is to be a foot solutions customer versus buying a typical pair of shoes in a mall. You know, the difference, uh, the difference for us is basically everyone's feet are different. They're like snowflakes. And the bottom line is about 30% of the people have some kind of issue. It could be they're overweight. They could stand on their feet for four hours more a day. They could have some medical issues. They could have bunions, heel pains. They could have injuries to their feet through sports, etc. So um, our whole focus is on that 30%. So sometime in your lifetime, you are going to have a foot injury or you are going to have something happen to your feet where you're going to need to take a little extra special care. So our whole philosophy is on body alignment. Your feet is sort of like the foundation of your home or any building. And if it's not proper, then your body gets out of a line. And most people don't even realize it, that knee pain, hip pain, lower back and neck pain 
many times is caused by you being out of body alignment, which comes back to what you're wearing on your feet, uh, the inserts that are in it to support it. So my whole philosophy was to cross over into the medical side, but then spill over into the average person that didn't need to see a doctor, but had an issue that could be solved holistically. No invasion. Uh, so we have a lab where we make custom orthotics. This is a very unique skill set. We do a computer scan of the foot. We're able to adjust and stabilize the foot in perfect alignment that lines the rest of your body up. So if you went in to see a chiropractor, the first thing they do is put you on that table and line you up. And they start with your feet and try to get you balanced and lined up. The problem is if you're not um, on a good foundation, you're going right back out of alignment. So our job is to keep you in alignment. So people would come in in pain that went to doctors, et cetera, never got any solutions. We'd actually have people crying in our store or giving the person a hug that fitted them and took the pain away. Again, non-invasive, on average cost of about $200, so very affordable. Some insurances cover some of the things we do, but the majority of our people uh, are not insured, and they're coming in to solve an issue or a problem they have. So we sort of in between the medical community, health and wellness, and the traditional comfort shoe store. What's the experience like, Ray? What does a customer go through the first time they come into a store? What can they expect? Uh, for a person who comes through, we do a free uh, analysis, which takes 20 to 30 minutes. Um, and, and again, if a person doesn't have any issues or problems, they don't have to go through that. But if they'd like to see where they are, we do that for free to all of our customers. Our job is not to sell anything. Our job is to solve problems. That's why I call it foot solutions. So when we do the analysis, we start with a computer scan of the foot. And this, this actually maps out the bottom of your foot, identifies pressure points in areas, whether you have a high arch or low arch, uh, and any other symptoms that are there in body alignment. Um, we also do a complete measurement of the foot to make sure you're in the right size in um, width, and, and we can deal with shoes that are up to six different widths, uh, six extra depth. We can make custom shoes if we have to. We can modify a shoe to fit a foot if if it's needed, and we certainly work with people that have those issues, um, diabetics, um, um, a high rate of amputation of some of their toes or part of their foot is an issue, and we can build a shoe to support their foot and fill in uh, those parts amputated. So we can go very medical or we can go uh, very comfort. We work with golfers, runners, ice skaters, um, snow skiers, you name it. Anybody that's wearing shoes that could have a potential foot issue or body alignment issue, we work with. So our focus is really not on the masses, but trying to reach out to those people that maybe have heel pain or something that's just not feeling right. Uh, and they want comfort. They they want to feel good, whether they're taking a, a hike or a trip or they're going on vacation. Um, many of us have wore shoes that started off feeling good, and you know, two hours later we're taking those shoes off because they're right. hurting our feet. Uh, so our job is to give you shoes that stay feeling good and, again, support the foot properly. And, Ray, are these shoes are shoes that are being manufactured by you or being supplemented and augmented from the out-of-the-box we do, we do uh, all of the above. We, uh, we can make a custom shoe. We work with uh, some manufacturers that are very specialist in their, in their nature and, and have shoes that have the extra width and depth. 
and that wouldn't be common in regular shoe stores. Regular shoe stores, you're going to get a shoe that's designed for the masses. Um, and we carry some of them, too, for the people that don't need um, the extra support or the modification to the shoe. So we cross into um, each of the, those categories. And, again, our job is to really um, give you a solution for what's best for you, Stan. So here's the all-important question for those who are style conscious. I remember my grandparents, and in that era of growing up as a kid, I could see people who were wearing special uh, things on their feet. They weren't real pretty, Ray. What's that look like today? And And, and I have to tell you, Stan, when I started the business, um, almost every manufacturer out there was making ugly shoes. (laughs) And they, 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 um, there, there was one line that came in that ended up being a good seller for us, but it looked like a Herman Monster shoe for those that have been around long enough to know who Herman Monster was. And I'm like, the shoe was $300, and I'm like, we'll never sell this shoe. But it made people's feet feel so good they were buying it anyway, even though it was that ugly. But um, over time, things have changed. Uh, today, uh, because of the computer technology and the sandwiching, in, in, in the materials that are being used in the processes today, um, there's plenty of shoes that we have that look like any normal shoe uh, in our first class in design, um, in, in, especially in the United States and especially a female. Uh, a female customer coming in is not going to wear an ugly shoe. They want something that looks good. They'd rather look good and feel good. Um, so we search the the world and uh, have special manufacturers that we work with, et cetera, uh, and are always looking for something that's a little unique that you can't find any place else. All good, Ray. Hey, when we come back from our break, we're going to talk a little bit about Balanced Walking, your book about um, being a published author as well as a franchisor, and uh, tell us a little bit about that as well. And then we're going to get into more conversation about the Foot Solutions franchise opportunity, who it is that should have one and who you're looking for and what it is that that business brings to those who join the Foot Solutions family. We'll do all that right after a very quick break and we'll be back. Franchise Today will be right back. But first, a word from our sponsors. Franchise Today is produced and presented each week by FRM Solutions, providing best-in-class CRM and document management software designed specifically for franchising. FRM enables real-time business intelligence, communication, and collaboration between all members of the franchisor's team and their prospective and existing franchisees. This empowers your team to simply and seamlessly track, access, and manage all communications to and from prospective and existing franchisees, including text messages. Legal and compliance is simplified as well with FRM's document management, and even site visits can be digitally facilitated and scored with FRM. Make today the day you give FRM a look and assure that all your candidate and franchisee correspondence, including texts, are being permanently tracked and archived in both candidate and franchisee records. FRM even provides state-of-the-art digital experiences for your prospective franchisees, replacing old-style virtual brochures. There are no long-term contracts required, multiple upgrades each year at no additional cost, no excuses, just solutions, online at frmsolutions.com. So, Ray, talk a little bit about becoming an author 
and about the book that you put out there with passion as much as you have everything else you do in your business. Yeah, everything is sort of tied together. Uh, a couple things. One, when I was younger, I lived upstate New York for a while, and I did a lot of cross-country skiing, which was great exercise. Um, and since I do a lot of business in Europe, um, I started doing uh, Nordic pole walking over there with some of the people I was working with that were making shoes for me, etc. cetera. And, um, and again, in Europe, uh, Nordic pole walking is probably 10 million-plus pole walkers. Um, activates up to 90% of your muscles, uh, increase your, your burn rate by about 50% over regular walking. Um, so it's the exercise of choice over there. In the United States, there's probably about 100,000 walkers. Uh, when I say walkers, I mean pole walkers. Uh, it just never took off here for I don't know what reason. Um, so the more I looked at it, um, I was going through a phase where I started slapping on a few extra pounds and I didn't like it. Um, so I decided to combine a number of things that um, I had been involved with, with yoga, meditation, uh, walking and running. And the balance walking was really to take basically pole walking um, up in a notch and include a couple other things that you can do that up the workout with some uh, yoga poses and some strengthening exercises, etc. So it was all about the poles, all about, again, standing in correct posture because you're forced to walk in correct posture when you're balance walking, you're using two poles. So it's like walking on four legs instead of two. Uh, we had the best results when we're dealing with people that are uh, 50 and older. We've had people throw their canes away. Um, you know, we've gone to a number of retirement communities and did classes. Uh, and and it seems to me that the, uh, the people that are older that want to be more active uh, this is an easy way to do it without a lot of strain on their body. So, again, it ties back to what I'm all about, which is body alignment, support, etc. So, obviously, we have you know products that are shoes, etc., that tie into the whole program. Uh, but this is all about giving back and trying to help people live a more active lifestyle, be healthier, and uh, and certainly there's a lot of documentation in Europe on all the benefits. Uh, so, I'd like to see it really grow here in the States and, and be competitive with Europe. I don't know if it'll happen in my lifetime, but I'm pushing for it. It's an incredible um, body of work, Ray, that, you, uh, that you've that you been associated with, and you've been noticed for it, both by the franchising world, by the Shoe Retailers Association, um, the Diabetes Association, all of these communities that you serve and all the consumers that you serve in each of those communities um, you know, you're like wearing three different hats, really, aren't you, between the medical aspect of the business, the retail side, and, of course, our beloved world of franchising. So- yeah, and you have to adjust for each one, obviously. Uh, each one is a different customer niche, and uh, talking to them uh, is uh, different, and the things that turn them on is different. So you, you have to adjust to those niches. And even in our stores, we're servicing, you know, five different groups when you think about it. So there is no one general reach out or advertisement that would work for uh, for all the things that we do. It has to be really focused. And thank God for computers and uh, social and Facebook and everything else because it's just sort of changed the dynamics of how you can reach people um, that, are, that are the center of your target. So when we talk about a foot solutions location and and he or she who operates it, um, give us an, a picture of the footprint, Ray. What does a typical store look like? 
Yeah, typically we're we're in about 1,200 square feet. We're in strip centers. We like to go in upscale uh, strip centers that might have a Whole Foods or uh, other upgrade um, a grocery store or, or certainly um, stores that would uh, focus on servicing the female market. Our market is focused on 40 and older. We do do work with uh, younger children and other people, but the 40 and older market is really our bread and butter market. Um, so again, our average customer spends two hundred dollars. So we're we're usually not in depressed areas or, or lower end areas. Um, so we look at a strip center. As I said, the uh, first five hundred, six hundred square foot is our uh, retail center store where we do all the the fitting and have a display of products. And then the back room, we have a little uh, workbench and lab that we can make modifications, and of course our shoe inventory. We also have a mobile unit which can take the services out to retirement communities, to medical communities, to households where people can't communicate, really come in and, and communicate uh, in a store uh, because they're either in a wheelchair or they're staying in their house and just don't want to come out. Um, so we try to do as as many things as we can to really reach those people that need our services. And talk looking, about, I'm sorry. Yeah, please. Uh, if they go ahead, I'm looking at an you. investment range of about 195,000. Uh, Eighty, let's say eighty-five thousand to one hundred ninety-five. We look at the mobile to, to the strip center store, five um, percent royalty. Um, I did implement this year here one other change that uh, that I kind of like. Uh, we have several. We have a number of franchisees that have really done well, and uh, and the numbers have been very attractive. So, um, I put a cutoff that once a person hits six hundred thousand in my new. FDD and agreements that we would reduce the royalty spend uh, to 50%, uh, which brings it down to two and a half instead of the five. So what I'm doing there is sharing sharing with their success. So if they have a home run, they have a million-dollar store, 400000 of it, they're only paying two and a half percent on instead of five. Um, so I, I know um, a lot of people in franchising don't understand that, but it's my way of giving back to those that are the super performers and the leaders in your group. Ray, it's why you're on this program today, and it's why you're successful as you've been, because you've learned along the way. You've not had um, easy times all the time, and you've been through, as you said earlier, the cycles of up and down. In fact, you're willing to share some of those nuggets with the audience today is just a testament to your giving nature. Is there anything else you would tell an aspiring franchise or today, somebody who's just coming out of the gates with a great idea and a concept, um, just like your idea with pulling back some on that royalty, which might run against the grain for some, but in the long run, probably very, very smart. Any other ideas like that that you'd share with the audience today? Yeah, there's there's a couple things. One, um, as you grow the franchise concept, um, you know, the franchise the franchisees will take on a life of their own. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say there weren't a couple times where I made decisions um, that if I had to take them back, I would have taken them back. Um, uh, I'll give you an example. Back in early 2000, we started a web-based uh, promotional sales uh, store to promote our brand and sell products. We were giving the franchisee uh, 25% of the sale and giving them the customer name. About 60% of my franchisees felt we were in co- competition with them. And we were growing very aggressively rather than argue or have an issue with them. I said, okay, I'll take it down. It was a mistake. I was ahead of 
ahead of everyone uh, with the web-based sales. Uh, when I look back on that, that certainly was a mistake. So I guess what I'm saying is sometimes you may have to have a confrontational thing and you have to believe in yourself and do it. The other thing is when you start your own business, you have to be willing to do whatever you have to do to succeed in your cash flow. Once cash flow is there, you definitely do want to reward yourself. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs put themselves at the end of the line instead of the front of the line. And I'm just as guilty as that because for me it was about reinvesting and growing the company and putting it all back in. Um, and if I had to go back and do some of the things over again, uh, when things are running good, you need to take a little bit of that slice and put it to the side. What's your take on franchise e associations or co-ops or advisory boards? How do you feel about that? I've I've done them all. Um, there's times when they re- work really well, and there's times when they don't. It really depends on the franchise and, and how it's handled. Uh, but again, you're going to attract people that are very knowledgeable in many different ways. Um, and, and many of the things that have helped many franchisors grow, you know, have been ideas or suggestions that came out of a franchisee. So the bottom line is you keep that door open for communication. Uh, we've done it all. Uh, one of the things I did as soon as cash flow got good is we would do these retreat trips. I would take, um, the top 10 or 15 franchises in a number of different ways, uh, and their wife's away on a, a getaway that was like for four days. We've gone to wine country. We've gone to Cancun. Uh, and for four days, we would eat, drink, and just socialize and talk openly. Uh, it always came back to business. And uh, people that are uh, successful, um, pretty much business is part of their life uh, and an important part. And, and they were always very successful campaigns. And everyone wanted to be part of that. So Anything you can do that that really builds that team image and and allows people to have some input uh, will help you in the long run and the short short run. Let's talk a little bit about who it is you look for for a franchise like this. Does somebody have to have that medical-type background to succeed? No, actually, we have our own school. We have our certified school that's uh, tied into Kennesaw State University. uh, And it's certified. We're we're one of the last schools in the United States certified to teach podarthus. And um, uh, that's a standalone business in itself. And we train people in the medical field as well as outside of our franchise in pedorthics and advanced pedorthics. Um, so a person can come to us without having any knowledge in that area uh, and become a certified pedorthist uh, or certified fitter and orthotic maker. Um, so that's not an issue for us. We're giving business, so it's really we, we like people that have, again, depending on what they're going to do. I mean, if you're working the store, there's one skill set. If you're going to manage multiple stores, there's another skill set. But we work with people. It's about listening and solving problems. Um, so uh, it's good to have those skills where you can communicate effectively and listen. The systems are in place, and it's really just a matter of not reinventing the wheel and, and following the system that's been proven over and over again. So you made reference to single-unit operators and multi-unit operators. What's the sweet spot and who are you looking for, Ray? At the beginning, I would only accept uh, single-unit operators, and I wanted them to work the store. Um, as we grew the concept and developed uh, more of our in-place systems and more of our key performance indicators um, and really how to control and build the store, uh, and, and certainly as stores became more successful, uh, it was very easy to see that a multi-unit operator could come into our business, and the numbers are quite attractive for that type of person. So 
Uh, I've shifted gears. I'll, I'll, I'll work with either or. Um, but uh, at this point in time, because where we are, uh, a multi-unit operator you know, gets control of a bigger area and has control of their, their marketing budget, et cetera, in that area. Um, and it's a simpler operation for a person to be running several stores rather than one, and you're dealing with one person. Um, I, I won't walk away from a single-unit operator. I prefer a multi-unit operator at this point in time. What would a day in the life look like in either case today, Ray? Well, the multi-unit operator is is really a person that brings management skills um, and and holds the people accountable. I think the biggest issue for and forget whether it's Foot Solutions or any other business is is a good manager, you know, has to have measurements and have to have tools and follow up on it. Um, and and the bottom line is, uh, the people that are effective are going to hold people accountable. Um, I'll give you an example in some of our our, our stores. Um, the people that are working in there, and it doesn't take many people, two or three people can run a store so you don't have a large uh, staff, um, but they get a base pay and then a commission on, on the orthotic sales, etc. So um, those people working in the store that are doing what they're supposed to do will make forty to $50,000, and that's really a good pay, but they're getting a base pay that's like $12 an hour. So they're making this other money based on their performance and working with um, the people that come in with their issues uh, and fitting them and solving the problem. So it's very different than regular retail. Especially retail, you're working less customers, uh, you're spending more time with them, and you're solving problems and making people feel better. Now, a person managing is not that same person. They have to have a different skill set where they really have managing skills and they're holding people accountable, they're working through their budget, um, and they're taking corrective action when they need to. What about out in the community? Are franchisees, or I would think in this world, whether you're a single or a multi-unit franchisee, you'd probably need to be a pretty decent speaker and be able to get in front of audiences and talk with people in the community, would you not? Yeah, absolutely. We've been involved. We had our own running team. We've been involved with Susan G. Coleman, Heart Foundation, Diabetic, Arthritic, uh, so many. I I can't tell you uh, the veteran programs. We spoke at uh, uh, a, a number of retirement communities and medical uh, groups. We have all these presentations canned so a person can go in and speak and, and take a presentation that's done professionally um, and, and be able to look and sound good. Uh, but again, it's always about educating people about body alignment and what they can do to solve their problems and how we can help. So it's never about selling what we do. It's always about helping and educating. Ray, I think it was 1990, I don't remember what, maybe 96 or 7, when I first met you. You were extremely IFA active then. As as I recall, it was my good friend, our good friend, Dennis Fuller, who was my boss at the time. Yes. At, at Blimpy Subs and Salons that brought you and me together back in the day. Yeah, actually, um, Dennis came to work with me for about a year or two before we went down to Florida and look at that. Uh, took the other <laughs> position. Uh, yes, uh, and, and you know many people like Jerry. Uh, many people in the industry, and they've been there very helpful for me. I mentioned IFA at the beginning. Uh, when I started, I didn't know anything about franchising, but I went to every IFA meeting. Uh, I bought all their books and manuals, and within two years, I was up there speaking uh, on the subject. So the, the bottom line is the tools are there. If you want to learn it, you can learn it fairly quickly, uh, and the people are givers. I mean, 
Uh, it wasn't uncommon for Fred DeLuca, founder of Subway. Unfortunately, he's passed on now. But uh, every time he was in Atlanta, we would get together for dinner. And here's a person that is at the top of the mountain but still would give me time. So, um, yeah, I can't say enough about the, the camaraderie and the relationships that uh, have been established uh, with people like yourself and other people in the industry, Stan. So give give some pointers to someone in the audience who is maybe relatively new and and you know only in franchising for a few short years and thinks that they can go and hit a convention once or twice and well I I know it all now I don't <laughs> need to continue that investment um I don't think either of us would go to a doctor that didn't have continuing education would you Ray <laughs> No I so, I agree completely and the bottom line is with uh uh, with IFA and the other associations and the local associations, there's absolutely no reason why a person can't keep active. And, of course, with all the courses online and web-based today, uh, you're continually learning through your whole life. I mean, the bottom line is I still read, um, you know, at least a book or two a week. Um, I'm always looking for, for something that I can tie back to what I'm doing or can improve it. Um, so even at this stage in my life, I'm still very active uh, and very open to new ideas. And, and that's what drives me is is being able to change things and make things better and improve on them or at least recognize what isn't working and try to come up with a solution. So you're exactly right. The networking is unbelievable. The, the shows and events out there just allow you um, to not only socialize and, and talk with a number of people, but the people are very open. Um uh, I'm not going to say that if you come up with somebody that's a direct competitor that they may share all their secrets with you, but we're in so many different realms of business um, that you're bound to find somebody that um, that has similar experiences and is not a competitor. It will be very open with you. It's just the nature of the beast. Ray, where are you looking to grow as your footprint continues to expand? Are you looking regionally or nationwide, or how does the footprint look for growth? Actually, I'm um, I'm rolling down a new uh, road right now. I come up with a, um, given the fact that money's still tight for a lot of uh, people that want to come into business, um, we came up with a business within a business. So I tested um, a 12-foot wall in some independent drugstores and some doctor's offices and some traditional um uh, shoe stores with the foot solutions uh, and Perfetto. So it's just uh, a business within a business um, that I'm doing under a license agreement. And um, this first year has been very successful. So I'm going to try to uh, to run with it in the southeast. And um, the numbers could be staggering because it's a very simple add-on business that I give them a three-month out if they don't like it. Uh, and they should be making uh, money within the three months that more than offset their costs and give them a nice return on a very, very low investment. So I'm always looking at new ways to grow the brand and, and the business, which hopefully will lead to additional franchise sales or conversions for those people. Is that an opportunity that your existing franchisees can bolt on as well, or is that something simply apart from the franchise side of the business? Well, the uh, the franchisees can bolt on the mobile unit, but this is a business within a business, so unless you have a medical practice or an independent drugstore or an independent shoe store, we're going in and just taking over a section of the store. So it's um, it's a little different than the franchise model, but if you take an existing shoe store and they're able to, to see the benefits of what we do as a franchisor, 
I'm thinking after after they're a licensee for a year or two, they'll shift to becoming a, a franchisee. Uh, and remember, now I'm talking about them taking their name down and putting my name up. So right. you you have to have a bridge there that gives them enough a reason that they say I'm going to do it. Uh, and yeah, I'm willing to spend that extra money uh, because I can see firsthand that I'm getting it back plus. A ton of information, Ray, and I'm going to ask you a question that I usually ask it as we come to the conclusion of an interview um, with my guests. Is there something that you wished I would have asked you today that I didn't, that you would share with the audience? Oh, I think uh, you and I, Stan, could talk for hours <laughs> uh, about the business. No, I, I really appreciate uh, you leading the conversation and keeping me focused on some of the things that you would have liked to cover. Um as always, um, I, I very much appreciate the opportunity to talk with you and wish you the best of luck with your your program here and uh, keep me in mind in the future if you need need for anything. I'm always open and available to you, Stan. And Ray, the same in reverse as has always been the case since Dennis made that, inf that introduction oh so many years ago. Um, you've been a good friend and always somebody that I look up to in franchising and I appreciate you taking the time to share with the audience today. We had a little bit of a hiccup in getting this show up online on schedule, but we're going to be making certain that everyone knows it's out here now so that everyone can download it and get some of those pearls of wisdom, Ray, that you're always so want to give and so known for giving. Can't thank you enough for spending time with us. Ray Marciano, you, founder and CEO of Foot Solutions. Uh, thanks again for joining us, Ray. Have a great day. And remember, everyone, next week, another icon is actually going to join me in the studio at Lenox Towers. Um, that'll be Mike Isaacson, IFA icon, uh, franchisor and franchisee extraordinaire, and, of course, a tremendous contributor to the IFA's educational foundation through the years. Really looking forward to an in-studio visit from Mike Isaacson right here on Franchise Today next week. Until then, I'm Stan Friedman, wishing you the best. The very best of all things franchising and Franchise Today is out. Franchise Today is a production of FRM Solutions, providing best-in-class CRM tools to empower relationships with prospective and existing franchisees. No excuses, just solutions. Find them online at frmsolutions.com. Join Stan every Wednesday at noon Eastern for another live episode of Franchise Today. Or, as always, download episodes on demand at blogtalkradio.com or iTunes.